Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study. And in this video, we're going to be starting in the book of Ephesians. Uh, this is a wonderful book. It has several chapters that are full of, of very useful uh, information for us to be able to, to read it, to be able to study it together, and to be able to continue to teach it to other people as well. Um, as pretty much I always kind of do, I would highly recommend that you take a look at the Bible Project video that will give you the overview uh, about this. And you can also go to the Bible Project website and you can print this out. Uh, I print it off on a, a legal size sheet of paper, so it'll be even bigger, easier to read. Um, but, you know, you can also just print off on a regular uh, eight and a half by 11 sheet. One of the things that it will that you will notice about this with the book of Ephesians is it puts it into two different main categories. The first half is going to be on the gospel story, and then the second half is going to be on our story. But you will notice that that just kind of continues. Those, those two things are very closely meshed together, and this video just gives you a great overview about sort of the types of things that are going to be coming up. Another thing you could do to kind of prepare uh, for taking a look at, at this book is you could read in Acts chapter 19, and you can find out how things went for Paul whenever he went to the city of Ephesus. Uh, so with all that stated, uh, let's go ahead and dive down uh, into the text together. If you want to watch this video, and if you want to pause this one right now and watch that other one, I mean, that, that's fine with me. I would encourage you to do so. And you can follow a link in the video description below of this video to see that overview video. I think I said video enough right there. Uh, but yes, you can find those. I'll even include a link to that, that print off so that you can do that and, and go there. And, and uh, I love whenever I'm reading it and whenever I'm studying it uh, to just kind of have this laid out. And sometimes I'll even make some little notes um, for, for myself on these. And that can just be helpful uh, for your study. And I know that it's helpful for, for my study uh, as I look at this book. So let's begin. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, I know that it, it doesn't seem like we're going to be covering very much right here, but it's important, and I want to say a few things about it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so already this starts off um, pretty pretty traditionally as far as Paul's letters go. Um, it's the same type of thing. You know, he's he's introducing who he is. He's introducing who the, the letter is written to and, and things like that. Um, but there is also something I want to point out about this book of Ephesians. Um, now, I don't think this is a really big deal. And if you don't necessarily agree with me on this, uh, I think that's fine. Um, and, you know, if, if you think that I'm kind of wrong in this, that's okay. I'll, I'll just tell you, you know, why I think this. And the thing is, most of the letters in the Bible, they're addressed to a specific church, just like this one is. I mean, it's addressed to God's holy people in Ephesus. Okay, uh, and whenever we see that, we oftentimes will kind of see some details that are very specific to that church. However, whenever we look at the book of Ephesians, I want you to think about what you know maybe of it. Or maybe if you want to, to read the entire book, uh, and we'll definitely kind of look at it together in these studies. But I want you to think, is there anything specifically tied to the church at Ephesus that is brought out? And I would say that I don't think we really find it. I don't think that we find anything that is specifically connected to this church. Now, like I said, I don't think it's really all that big of a deal, except there is an interesting thing about this letter. And that is why I have this little star next to uh, Ephesus. Because if you, look, uh, if you look at some of these notes that you might have uh, in your Bible, especially this is a note that is in the NIV. It's a text note. 
and it says some early manuscripts do not have in Ephesus. Okay, well, uh, that's kind of interesting, but you know, what, what does that mean? That means that some of the copies of the book of Ephesians don't have that phrase in Ephesus. Now, I think there's a very good reason for that, and I think the reason can be hinted at from the book of Colossians. See, in Colossians 4, 16, I don't have this on the screen, but I'll, I'll read it right here. In Colossians 4, um, chapter 4, verse uh, 16, Paul says, After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Well, there's not uh, like first and second Laodicea, or there, there's not a, a letter to the Laodiceans that we have in the Bible, unless this is actually it. Because it does kind of make sense that if this letter uh, that is addressed to the Ephesians, if it was also written several times and, and sent out to other churches, like, I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because we have a copy of it and it's sent to us. But perhaps this is one of these letters that was kind of a circular letter. And just like what Paul said, well, you know, make sure that you read their letter and then you you give them this letter. It was supposed to be, you know, kind of shared, which is kind of interesting about reading somebody else's mail. But obviously, whenever it comes to the Bible, it's okay. In fact, it's encouraged by Paul and others in the New Testament. So right here, this letter, yes, the copy that we have is addressed to God's holy people in Ephesus. But it's also possible, based on some of these other copies that don't have that in Ephesus, that perhaps this letter was kind of a circular letter. And maybe it was also uh, circulated to other churches as well. It, it might not be a big deal, but one thing that I think is kind of cool about that is that this letter to the church in Ephesus very likely is also addressed to us specifically. You know, it's not just that you're reading somebody else's mail, but you're reading something that could easily be addressed to all Christians of all time. Now, we know, of course... As far as the Bible goes, um, that is at least somewhat true in everything that we read. But it could be even more so true whenever we come to the book of Ephesians. Also in this first chapter, one thing I want to point out, and I want you to pay attention to this uh, as I am reading this and as we're studying this together. Um, if I have to say what Ephesians chapter 1 is about, I would say it's about in him. Uh, you know, that, that's in quotations right here because you'll see so many times phrases like in Christ or, or in him. Sometimes you'll even see like through Christ or maybe under Christ, and you, you'll see those different ways. And I'm going to point these out on the screen uh, on one particular slide. But that is definitely a theme that we see from verses 3 all the way down to verse 14, at least in those verses. We see a lot of statements about in Christ. And I want you to think about that. Think about the importance of what it means to be in Christ. If you want to think about it this way, what would your life look like if you were not found in Christ? If you're not found to be a follower of Christ, what would your life look like? Obviously, it would look entirely different than what it does right now. Well, in Ephesians, they're told and, and reminded of, of all these great blessings, all these great promises that we have in Christ. We need to make sure that we are always walking in Christ, following his way. So let's read about that way. Let's see about all these great blessings in him. Verses 3 through 10, let's start there. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What a start to this book. I love it. There's so many great blessings uh, in Christ, and I just want to just kind of briefly run through these things and notice all these great things that we have in Christ. For starters, in verse 3, he's talking about all these blessings of how we've been blessed, and he specifically says in these heavenly realms. So, I mean, the blessings that we have are not just in the physical realm. Now, I mean, I would say, yes, they definitely are in the physical realm, but they're also in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms, in the unseen realm that is around us. We have all of these great blessings in Christ. What does that include? What does that look like? Especially since we can't see it, what does it look like? We'll keep reading. In verse 4, he's talking about how, uh, well, for starters in verse 3, once again, it's these blessings in Christ. Then in verse 4, we see again that we have been chosen in him. But notice when, when that took place. It says before the creation of the world. Have you ever thought about what that means? That means that you and I, we were on God's mind before the creation of the world. Now, I hope that means something great to you because it should. It is so wonderful to know that, that God made all these decisions that he made. You know, sometimes we kind of ask questions like whenever we're reading the book of Genesis, we're like, well, why did God allow the, the serpent to be uh, in the garden? Why did God even make the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil? You know, why did he do all these things? We can, we can say all those and we can ask all those questions, but ultimately what it comes down to is look at this passage. He chose us. He thought about us. He planned for us before the creation of the world. What does he want from us? He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be blameless in his sight. These are all the things that, that God has wanted. And uh, by the way, I guess another thing uh, that I, I failed to mention uh, before we started the, these verses right here is that if you pay attention to how the church is described right here, how these people, us included, who are in Christ are described, he is using so many of these phrases that come right out of the Old Testament. I mean, so many of these phrases are connected to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. Yet Paul is using them of not just Israelites, but now also of Gentiles, of all the other nations too. That's what it means to be in him. That's what it means to be in Christ. It's wonderful. It's great. Let's keep reading. Or let's keep looking at these things. See, in verse 5, uh, we see once again, he's, he's bringing up these things here. Hold on. Let me, let me make sure that I'm... I'm following along here. Um, here in verse 5, we see one of the things that's brought up is uh, about this adoption to sonship. I mean, that is so wonderful. And one thing I like to point out, whenever uh, the language of adoption is used, you know, it, it means something special. Because that means that we are not uh, just, you know, children of God because, oh, well, we're just part of the family of God. No, because we are adopted, it means that we are chosen. We are chosen through Jesus Christ. All this comes down to Jesus. All of this, of course, comes down to Jesus, and that is so uh, so wonderful and so important. We see in verse 6 that there's a reason behind all of this. The reason behind of all of this comes back to the fact of it's to praise, uh, to the praise of his glorious grace. See, all this is is talking about his grace, and we see that grace that God has given us. Uh, we see what that's, that's connected to us. It's given us once again in the one whom he loves, talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 6 is still talking about in him, you know, in this one that he loves. It's 
comes down to God's grace has uh, has planned for this. We see that love is there at the end of verse four. So we see all these things are wrapped up in God's plan. He knew what he was going to do for us and he did it anyways. He knew whenever he made that tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden originally, he knew that many years later, his son was going to be crucified on a tree and was going to have to, to fix the things that were wrong in the world. Yet God still made all those decisions. He made all those decisions because he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be blameless. He loves us. He has all of this grace that he has freely given to us. And he's given um, these things to us in Christ. Verse 7, he's still talking about in him. What do we have in him? We have this redemption. We have this forgiveness of sins. All of these things are so wonderful. We have these riches that are connected with the grace of God. All these things are coming to us time and time again. Some more things that we can't exactly see, but we most certainly have in Christ come to us in verse 8, that we see that wisdom and understanding are connected. And in fact, in God's wisdom and giving us this, this wisdom and understanding, we see that in verse 9, he's made known to us this mystery. The mystery is going to be a theme that, that continues to show up in this passage and several other passages as well, even other books of the Bible. Uh, but in this passage, one of the things that we see about this, this mystery is it has to do with bringing all uh, of the different nations, not just the Israelites, but all the other nations into this, this body of Christ, into this, this group that is in him. Um, that's why he's talking in verse nine, talking about this mystery. We'll get into more details about the mystery as it shows up, because it will definitely show up uh, later on in this book, but we're introduced to these ideas already here. Then in verse 10, we see uh, something that is definitely going to be at the heart of this book. In fact, I might kind of reference this several other times, but we see that all of this is coming to a very specific point in history, kind of a climax of history, if you will, in verse 10 that whenever the times reached their fulfillment, you know, everything was pointing toward that time. And that time has to do with the time of Christ and what he's done in him. Once again, in him, okay? All these things are so important. Then we see to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. To bring unity. Unity is going to be a big, big theme in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to see it in so many different ways. In fact, it's a big theme in several uh, passages, uh, several different books of the Bible. But right here, most certainly it's in the book of Ephesians about bringing unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. All this comes back to Christ. But we're not done talking about Christ because Paul continues. Verses 11 through 14. In him, once again, in Christ, in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So in these verses, we still are looking at these great blessings that we have in Christ, in him. We see that we've been chosen, okay? He's already been bringing this up. So, I mean, these things are not necessarily new, but we still uh, see this. We also see his plan, that he is still working out all of these things. He's got his will in, in, into effect, and all this is coming to us under Christ, in Christ, through Christ. There's several different ways of putting it, but all of it deals with Christ. Christ is the one who brought these things to us. And it might sound like I'm saying this a lot, but 
I am. It's important. And Paul said it a lot too. Uh, we also uh, see that our hope is found in Christ in verse 12. That's what it says. Once again, the reason for this is for the praise of his glory. All this is not to glorify us. All this is not to lift us up, even though in some ways it kind of does. It's really to lift up God and to recognize his great plan, everything that he has done in Christ. We have been included in Christ. See, we can be in Christ. That's what verse 13 is talking about. And it's so important that we are in Christ and that we remain in Christ. How were we included in Christ? Well, we were included in Christ whenever we heard the message of truth. What's that? It's the gospel of your salvation. All of this comes down to how we become Christians and whenever we become followers of Christ and when we can be included in that group who is in Christ. It's when we hear this message and whenever we recognize that it is connected with salvation. It's the good news about our salvation. We also find out that uh, whenever we do believe in him and whenever we follow and put our faith and our trust in him, that we've actually been marked with a seal. And that seal is the promised Holy Spirit. Now, see, sadly, uh, I find that, that a lot of people, they love talking and, and kind of speculating about uh, a particular type of mark. Uh, that they, they like to talk about the mark of the beast. In fact, that's been brought up, and you've probably heard several people talk about it. You know, it's just, it's a topic that's been brought up several times, um, you know, even kind of recently, the past year or so. And people are, are trying to say this, that, or the other is like the mark of the beast. I would just wish that we could focus so much less on the mark of the beast and focus more on being marked by God. See, this mark that's described right here is really what the mark of the beast was just a poor imitation of. The mark that God marks us with is being marked in him with a seal. What is that seal? It's the promised Holy Spirit. That is the mark of a believer. The mark of a believer, a mark of a Christian, the mark of someone who is in Christ is that they have the promised Holy Spirit. And that promised Holy Spirit is like a deposit that is guaranteeing something more, guaranteeing something much, much more. And all of this is for the glory of God, praising him for his wonderful plan and how we have been brought into this gospel of salvation and how we can be found in him. So this one, uh, by the way, don't, don't get too concerned about this. This is what we've just read, okay? So verses 3 through 14, what I just want to do is I wanted to, to put these things up on the screen because I want you to see all the different phrases that we have about in Christ. So we see, um, I'm just going to briefly run through these things. You can see them on the screen. Uh, you know, I trust that you can read these. It might be a little small for you though. In verse 3, we see in Christ. Verse 4, in him. Verse 5, through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, in the one he loves. Verse 7, in him. Uh, verse 9, we see in Christ. 10 under Christ, 11 in him, 12 in Christ, 13 in Christ, um, almost lost my place, 13 also in him. So we see several different things. Um, I, I think I counted that and maybe that's like 11, maybe it's 12. I, I don't know exactly how many it is. And even if you look at this a little bit more, you could perhaps even see some, some phrases that were similar to in Christ or under Christ or through Christ uh, that maybe I didn't even kind of put in bold and underline. I just wanted you to see this kind of visually. One of the things that I did uh, in my own Bible is I went through here and I, I marked them all. Uh, I actually highlighted them in pink, although I didn't figure you'd be able to, to see them. I don't know if I can get it. There, you can kind of see what I marked in pink. It's the same thing that you see on the screen. And I did that just so I could kind of visually see how much of this deals within him. And I wanted to stress that. I wanted to make sure that we understand that all of these things come to us 
in Christ, through Christ. Without Christ, what do we have? You know, this answers this question as to how big of a part Christ played in God's plan. It's huge. We cannot turn away from Christ. There, there is no other way. We have to be found in Christ, and we have to remain in Christ. Let's keep reading, because there's still a few other things that I want us to see in this chapter, but uh, for the most part, this is kind of the bulk of this chapter of what I want us to get, and, and this starts to lay the foundation of some of these other things we'll look at. You know, We'll, we'll look at, at what it means to be holy and blameless, and, and what it means to have this wisdom and understanding, and also we'll see what it means to, to have this unity in all things, like verse 10 talks about. And we will also see about being chosen and, and, and all of these other things and how they work out. But we're getting introduced to that in this very first chapter. So as we continue on, and let's look at verses uh, 15 through the, the first half of verse 19 now. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. Once again, I mean, this this chapter is just completely full of all of these great things that is just talking about these these wonderful blessings that we have in Christ, how much God loves us, and how much that we have always been on God's mind and and what He desires from us. We see as we look in the verses 15 and 16 that Paul is talking about how he's always remembering these people in his prayers. We've got to be people who can learn from the lessons of Paul. We need to be people who are praying for other believers, not just whenever someone, you know, is sick or hurting or, or you know, going through a difficult time. I, I mean, yes, if we can pray for them on those situations, that's great. But just on a regular basis, in the sense of that other churches and other people who are following God, who are in Christ, that they can continue to grow, that we will continue to grow. We don't need to only focus on our own church. We need to focus on the church, the church that is in Christ. And we need to remember one another in prayer, uh, praying constantly like what Paul did right here. Uh, we also see that Paul is bringing up uh, about how um, he, he's desiring for them to have the spirit of wisdom uh, and revelation um, so that we may know him better. You know, that's the reason why we need wisdom. That's the reason why we need this revelation is so that we will know him better. Couldn't that be great if that can be what we what we try to do? Like that's one of the reasons why we study uh, the, the Bible together is so that we can have this, this wisdom and revelation so that we can share what has been revealed to us, so that we can share the wisdom that we have heard and that has been passed on down to us so that we can know him better. And also another thing that Paul prays for is that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. You know, he's once again referencing about how it's not about things that we can actually see. It's the eyes of your heart, not the eyes that are in your head. And it's about being able to, to see these things, being enlightened. You know, that, that, that's kind of an interesting thought to, to think about. And, and maybe it's a, it's a wonderful thought to just kind of meditate upon what that would mean. Uh, to, to truly be enlightened, to be able to see the light of God in, in all these things around us. And the reason behind all this, once again, comes back to knowing this hope 
to which we've been called. So the reasons for these things is so that we can know him better and so that we can know this hope to which we've been called, this hope that we've been called. This is connected here with these riches of this inheritance, this inheritance of the holy people of God. All of these things are used of the nation of Israel. But now we see it's beyond just the nation of Israel. And it's to all of us who are Gentiles or Jews uh, alike. We are all one in Christ. That's a huge message of the book of Ephesians. We see that all this also comes down to this great power for us who believe. How great is that power? Well, let's keep reading. And this uh, is how the, the chapter ends. Uh, the second half of verse 19 uh, through verse 23. Once again, talking about this power that is connected with this hope and all this inheritance and everything. We see that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And with that, we end this chapter. And with this, we see this great power of God. We see this great power of God is the same power that God used whenever he raised Christ up from the dead. How much power do you think God has to be able to raise somebody up from the dead? That's a huge power. It's a mighty strength, isn't it? Yes, it's the mighty strength that God has. He's able to raise the dead, not just Christ, but we also know that he's going to be raising us up in the future as well. But once again, I don't want to get too, too far removed from this passage here, because this passage is really focused all about Christ. Makes sense, doesn't it? All these blessings come to us in him. It's not just about what Christ did on the cross, but also after the cross, because after the cross, we see that whenever he was raised up from the dead, that is showing the power of God. But even more than that, whenever he is exalted up at the end, you know, that, that's kind of uh, something that uh, is kind of at the end of the Gospels um, accounts. And then it's also at the beginning of the book of Acts. And, you know, sometimes we kind of read over this and we're just like, okay, cool. You know, Jesus, he goes up in the clouds. That, that's cool. You know, we, we call it the ascension of Jesus. And, you know, maybe your Bible even says the, the ascension uh, of Jesus. But we often just kind of read over that and don't really think about how powerful of a thing that is, that Jesus went up into heaven. He was exalted. That's what this passage is talking about. It kind of uses a little bit different language, but it's talking about the same time, the same thing. And we also see just how much he's been exalted. He's been exalted because as verse 22 is saying that God placed all things under his feet. And he also appointed him to be the head over everything. What does that mean? That means he's at the top. He's at the top of everything for the church, for the body of Christ. And all this comes back to the fullness of God. It comes back to this plan of God. The plan of God was to send Jesus down so that he would be exalted up, so that he would be raised up. And we need to always, in, in everything that we do, in, in our lives that we, that we live, in what we say, and how we treat other people, we need to be lifting Christ up in everything that we do because it is whenever we are in him, that's whenever we get access to all of these great things that God has given us. That's whenever we get access to this plan of salvation. And I don't mean just on the individual basis. I mean the, the big plan of salvation for God to save 
all people. And that plan of salvation comes to us in Jesus Christ. So I hope that you will uh, stay with us in this study and continue on next week because there's so much more that we can look at from the book of Ephesians to see some of these things that we've already been kind of introduced to, but that we're going to see even more and more about. Also, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, I would strongly encourage you once again to check out the overview of the book of Ephesians uh, from the Bible Project video. You can find a link below.